Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 189. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? Before we get started, we have to take a minute to thank today's sponsor, and today's sponsor is On Deck. On Deck is a business you can trust with over $2 billion in small loans to date and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. On Deck is changing the way small businesses get financed. To explore the small business loan options that On Deck offers, head over to the show notes associated with today's episode and find the On Deck logo. All right, enjoy today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Louis Bazil. Louis, are you feeling unstoppable today? A hundred percent, Eric. I'm excited to be here. And, uh, you know, if you're, you've been a restaurant industry veteran like myself, I think that unstoppable is uh, how most of us feel um, <laughs> who have spent our careers in the restaurant business. Well, Louis, I am excited to have you on the show. Researching you was a ton of fun. You have some great advice and I can't wait to squeeze it out of you. So let me give the listeners just a quick overview of who you are. Then we'll pass it over to you to get that motivational ball going to learn more. So... Lewis is one of the most passionate leaders in the restaurant industry. He grew up in a family-owned restaurant in New Jersey. Previously, Lewis worked for the Chart House in Obon Penn. He founded the Wildflower Bread Company in Scottsdale, Arizona in 1995. Wildflower operates multiple restaurants in Freshto Central Productions facility. And Wildflower is an award-winning fast-casual brand that serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. On top of all this... Uh, Lewis is an extremely active in a multiple amount of restaurant associations and just groups. And I want you to, to teach us more about some of those things that you're doing. I'm really interested in, uh, in particular of the, what was it? Changers of commerce. I really want to learn more about that because that just sounds interesting. So, uh, I'm going to pass it over to you now to get that motivational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Well, thanks, Eric. And uh, really, for me, um, our mantra, and it's been my mantra all along, is it's it's really simple. I like to say it's all about the execution. The restaurant business, um, it's easy to articulate what's, what it is to be successful or what success looks like. It's incredibly challenging and difficult and takes incredible amount of discipline to execute that on a daily oh, basis. Yeah. Totally. We talk about that around the wildflower here is every time every day and so it's all about the execution oh yeah there's not many breaks i mean there's so much dedication like you said discipline and it's just so demanding um but we're going to learn more about you and how to do it and how to get that done a uh, great way to start the interview off so tell us a little bit more uh about you and about how you got into this industry and kind of what you're doing today and, and your involvement in the many trade associations you're working with Okay. Um, so um, 
I, uh, similar to yourself, I grew up in the restaurant business. Uh, my dad owned a uh, little uh, luncheonette in East Orange, New Jersey, and uh, I started uh, working uh, with my dad or going into work when I was five. And uh, it, for those of uh, for those folks that are listening, uh, when I was five, there were uh, of course no cell phones. Uh, the milk used to come in either uh, paper cartons or bottles, or the cow. <laughs> Jugs. There were no plastic crates, and uh, I used to carry around a wooden milk crate um, that was probably weighed more than I do, as I, I seem to recall. And uh, I would uh, use that to actually reach up uh, to the counter and, I guess, bust some dishes or something like that. And I, you know, as I reflect now back on that, I remember at the end of the day. Um, you know, there was no such thing as a POS system. It was a cash register, and really a cash register um, when I was growing up in the restaurant industry was simply a uh, either a sophisticated or a, or a not sophisticated um, calculator, really, and that's all it did. But at the end of the day, somebody had to count the money. Of course, uh, back then there rarely weren't uh, credit cards, and uh, many uh, no no I don't think anybody had a credit card back in the uh, mid '60s when what I'm talking about. And so everybody paid in cash, and you uh, counted the money at the end of the night. And I liked stacking up the quarters in sort of fours to make dollars, and of course the dimes in ten, and the nickels and the pennies. And uh, that's my uh, first. Uh, really uh, memories of being in the restaurant business. Um, when I got to be a little older, we used to deliver uh, food um, uh, on foot. So if you wash dishes in my father's restaurant, um, you were uh, also the delivery boy. And I can recall one day when I was working um, and I was sent on my first delivery and the gentleman gave me a dollar as a tip, I remember it. And I it was on the second floor of, a, of an office building, and uh, I came running down the stairs, and I was going to run back to the restaurant because I was so excited that I actually got a dollar, and uh, I recall that I almost got hit. Um, so I said to myself, well, my career is going to be short-lived if I don't really watch where I'm running. So uh, I, I ended up uh, making it back safely to the restaurant, and uh I still recall how, how proud I was that I had received a dollar. And what was really compelling to me was the fact that, um, you know, if I, 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 I surely couldn't articulate this at eight or 10 or however old I was, but I knew that if I was nice and if I smiled and I said thank you, that I was going to make more money. Mm -hmm. And that was really uh, the beginning of uh, forming what I like to call the hospitality mentality. Yeah. Uh, and so from there, um, I worked with my dad uh, through high school. I ended up going out to uh, college in, uh, in Ohio um, to the University of Dayton. And um, I was raised in a very, very, um, you know, ab normal, average, middle-class uh, family. Um, I, never, I never went to school hungry or with holes in my shoes. Although, as I tell my children, I did have to walk in the rain and the snow. Uh, my, my parents, nor none, none of my friend's parents, were ever interested in giving us a ride to school. So uh, we, we did do all of that. Um, however, when I went to college, I needed to help pay for college. And, of course, um, 
what I knew how to do was to work in restaurants. And um, I got a job um, at the Cork and Cleaver, which was a subsidiary of the Chart House at the time in uh, Kettering, Ohio. And I started as a dishwasher. And I quickly uh, moved up. Uh, I became a prep cook, and then I became the line cook, and then ultimately I became the headline cook. And uh, that was really the first time I had been in a restaurant environment that was uh, really full service and actual and served alcohol. And that was a very different environment. And um, ultimately, I ended up working more than I um, ended up attending class. And so uh, I ended up uh, working full time. And the restaurant that I was at actually was renovated. Um, and during that renovation, I was a you know, sort of a gopher. I cleaned up. Um, and I like to tell the story that I must have really been a good sweeper because <laughs> that fall, um, the chart house, Cork and Cleaver, called me up and asked me if I wanted to be a construction project manager for them. Oh, wow. wow. And uh, so <clears throat> I wasn't that happy in school. And I talked it over with my parents. And it seemed like an opportunity that I would like to take advantage of. I ended up for the next uh, two years uh, traveling around the country, uh, renovating um, restaurants for the uh, Quirk and Cleaver and the Chart House. It was an incredible experience, um, and I learned a lot. Um, when I took that job, I, I didn't know how to read a blueprint, and I surely didn't understand how to uh, get a job completed. However, <clears throat> over the course of time, I learned all of those things, and I was uh, able to... Uh, really, uh, you know, make a difference, um, helping, uh, these restaurants, um, get completed. Wow. And so, um, you know, the, the, the job of being on the road all the time, even though I was young and it sounds incredibly appealing, gets to be uh, slightly, uh, uh, tiresome and, and, and quite frankly, uh, lonely. And so I realized that, um, this wasn't going to be a company that I was going to be able to run anytime soon. Uh, I've always sort of had this, uh, um, I, I want to get someplace uh, really quickly uh, mentality. And so I, I couldn't imagine myself ever being the president. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I need to figure out what I want to do next. I thought I would go back to school. And it was at that point that my dad, who was still in the restaurant business, his accountant, um, son had just purchased or, or bought into 50% of Obon Penn in Boston. And at that time, there were three bakeries in the Boston area. So I went up to Boston, I interviewed, and I was uh, offered a position there. And I spent the next uh, really 14 years helping Obon Penn transform from a bakery into a iconic brand, um, serving food, you know, salads, soup, sandwiches, um, beverages and uh, we we the, the team there, um, including myself, ended up taking that from three uh, bakeries to 255 restaurants over a 14-year period. Um, we uh, went public in uh, June of uh, I think '91, and um, I uh, again decided that I really wanted to run something, and that opportunity wasn't there at Obon Penn. Uh, However, the learnings at Obon Penn were incredibly rich, um, and uh, I really got the opportunity to do uh, pretty much every every job there, um, except for being the CFO and uh, the vice president of manufacturing. Um, so that was a great 
learning um, ground. And uh, we were, all of us, the whole team there, I think, was very proud of what we accomplished. Um, I decided to move to Arizona um, to take advantage of an opportunity that was presented. And uh, when I first started here in June of 94, this is before I started the Wildflower, on my first day of work at, at my new company, um, I realized that there was a, a, a really a miss on our values about how we were going to grow the business and how we were going to uh, really treat our people. And um, that I, I didn't understand that prior to that. However, that was a huge aha moment. And I thought to myself, hmm, I'm not 100 percent sure how long this is going to last. And so uh, six months later, we decided to part ways because we did see how the business should grow and how we should, you know, really treat our people and uh, just the sort of, as I like to call it, the ecosystem of a restaurant, how that should be built. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so that was disappointing, honestly. And um, well, I think it, was it, was, prof it was probably was all for the better, though. I mean, because if you didn't make that change, if you didn't have those core values, you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that, that then led to uh, a, a bit of a self-reflection period. Um, my wife and I had just moved here, so we decided that we were going to stay. And given my construction background, we, we picked a place to, to, to build a home, and uh, I, 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 I did that. And then um, at some point, um, my wife said, I think it's time to get back to work. Um, I like to say that neither of our parents were independently wealthy, so um, we, we, needed to, uh, we, we needed to earn our own way, um, which is the, you know, the, the, the way that, that we, 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 that's the only way that we mm -hmm. would both my wife and I. And uh, so, you know, based on my previous experiences, I thought that this was a wonderful opportunity to start our own company. And uh, we looked around the Arizona market and uh, I'm a Italian by heritage and uh, Italians love to eat um, um, and we love great bread. And uh, great bread was a real missing component on the landscape of the Arizona food market back in uh, food scene back in 1995-96. And that really was what launched the wildflower. So we said, okay, the basis for a great sandwich is, of course, the bread because, you know, any restaurant and any consumer can go and buy high-quality meats and, and, and cheeses and produce. I mean, that, that that's not synonymous with only high-quality restaurants. People can find those ingredients anywhere. But what separates a great sandwich is the bread, mm. and, uh, and, and that then carries across to eating a salad, dipping it in, in, in a soup. You know, as we as as I would imagine, most of your listeners know, Arizona can be incredibly warm in the summertime. And when I told people that we were going to serve soup at Arizona, they said, well, nobody's going to buy soup here in the summer. Um, and, you know, soup is an incredibly strong part of our offering and uh, has been since inception. Um, so uh, that that's really a, a, a brief uh you know, sort of history of how the wildflower got started. I love how you shared those unique selling propositions, those differentiating factors of just bread and soup. And I mean, you're better off to have something that separates you from everything or, or everybody else than just to go along with what everyone else is doing. And uh, I think that was a, a great example right there. 
Thank you. Well, you know, I think that um, when you're talking about uh, branding and making connections, right? So um, we're obviously, this is a feature on the restaurant industry, which is what my passion is. But really that that lesson of, or, or that idea that, hey, you need some sort of hook. You need something that's different than everyone else to make you stand out in, in, in the consumer's mind. And that's really no different than you think about some of the iconic brands outside of the restaurant industry, whether it's Apple and the iPhone or it's, you know, it's Nike and, and, and you know, the, the, the Jordan sneaker line. All of those things have similar attributes in that they resonate with the consumer. And so we knew that if we made this really phenomenal bread, that that would uh, be something that, you know, we could really hang our hat on and that we would have a, a real competitive advantage in our marketplace uh, around what, 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 we, uh, what we offer. And, you know, again, bread's history goes, you know, back, quite frankly, to, you know, to the biblical times when, you know, it's written about, you know, breaking bread and eating bread and bread is very communal. Um, you know, as you talk about sort of fast forward to today, when you talk about things that are craveable and comfort food, bread fits into all of those categories and allows us a real opportunity to, uh, to be memorable to the customer. Absolutely. I love it. So tell me, Lewis, what's your why? What's your purpose? What drives you to do what you do and to be in this industry? So, you know, for me, um, the why has changed over time. Um, And I can tell you that, um, you know, when I was young um, and, uh, you know, full of, uh, well, still full of incredible drive, but um, not as, uh, let's say, seasoned and, and surely don't have the same life lessons I had now. In the beginning, the why was, I think, uh, really to be successful. Um, and uh, as I've matured, as I've had a family, uh, my wife and I have three children, um, all of uh, either college or high school age, um, the why for 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 the wildflower for me personally has become much more of a of a personal why and and that really revolves around two things one is um at the wildflower we simply want we call ourselves breadhead so we want a breadhead which is an employee we want a breadhead's experience here to be memorable and simply really to be the best job that they've ever had. And I mean ever. So we're employing folks for uh, a lot of times their first job. And I would like them to look back 20, 30 years from now and say, wow, the wildflower was the best place I ever worked. And, you know, we talk a lot about that we really want to give to our breadheads more than we ever ask of them. Mm. And uh, we, we really uh, talk about rounding out the individual. So, you know, there's a lot of rock stars at the Wildflower, and there's a lot of rock stars out in the world. Uh, if you've uh, ever read a book uh, called uh, Aspire by Kevin Hall, he talks about everybody in the world being an irrepeatable miracle. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that in the human race, everybody has a passion, has a gift, that it's just how that gets cultivated or whether that gets cultivated and whether that gets, um, you know, sort of uh, reinforced. Mm-hmm. So so we're, that, 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 that's one of the whys right now. And the second why is about 
um, really making the communities that we operate restaurants in um, a better place. Um, there's a lot of uh, folks that um, are struggling for whatever reason, lots of different reasons. Um, and, you know, Wildflower um, not only believes, I believe delivers um, a, um, a, you know, really community involvement platform that makes a difference here in the state of Arizona, and we're very proud of that. So. Yes. You know, for me, the why is very simple. Um, we want to, we really want to help folks become and find their passion and give them sort of skills that they'll remember um, for a lifetime. And the second is to be an incredible corporate citizen, if that's the, you know, that the, the today's terminology would be conscious capitalism, changers of commerce, to really make a difference in the communities that we operate and to help um, make uh, everybody's life a little better. I love how your wives are just so focused on impacting the lives of others uh, and just you're so others focused. And I think that's such a huge critical thing that, you know, successful restaurant people have is just that others mentality and just investing in others and just making it all about everyone else but yourself. And I really hear that coming out with you. And I also really want to comment on your uh, on your comment and how your why has changed over time. I think that's yep. really important to like point out too, because think about you know how many people get into this industry. They know they love it, but they're kind of lost. They don't really have direction, and I think that's okay because you have time to figure it out. But you just have to start and then get into the industry and learn about the industry, and then over time, your why will you know develop, and it might change with time. What do you think about that? I, I think that's well said. I, I mean, look, I, I would, I would suggest and and probably argue uh, vehemently that your why should change over time mm -hmm. um, that you know part of the natural maturation process um, we like to call it self-awareness continuous education is that you hope that you grow as a person and as an individual and that growth comes in lots of different formats and so um, that growth for me personally um, quite frankly, I believe has made me a far better, um, you know, husband to my wife, father to my children, and a leader to the wildflower. And, uh, you know, simply put, that that wasn't always the way it was. However, that's how it's evolved. And uh, uh, I'm grateful for the uh, journey, as we like to say. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So let's talk about your it factors, Louis. If you could narrow it down to like, maybe two or three characteristics, habits, traits you have that you think most contribute to your success? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I think, again, this is part of a personal journey, right? Everybody's got to sort of figure out what it is that um, they're really good at. And, uh, you know, in, in a restaurant, um, it, it clearly uh, still today, um, sometimes you need to be, you know, really sort of uh, good at everything um, because the restaurant industry um, requires lots of different skills and talents, and uh, and 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 sometimes um, you're using all of those at once in order to be successful. However, um, some of the the things that 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 when you when I was thinking about this question, I, I, I realized it's it's really for me three things. Um, one is. It's uh, to be curious. Um, I think curiosity is um, an incredible uh, gift. Um, and, uh, you know, really 
um, I, I like to talk a lot about uh, raising um, our children. And, uh, you know, I hope that we've taught them or that we've spoken enough about being curious. So if it doesn't make sense to you, then you got to ask why. And if, um, you know, if you if you ask why enough, you're going to get sort of an understanding. I think that um, everybody um, is uh, uh, needs to understand the why behind the things. Now, look, you know, sometimes you may come to a, a roadblock in curiosity. You may not be able to figure out the why, or you've been told the why, but you don't like the answer to the why. And you know, the, so that's different. I'm I'm really just talking about being curious enough. What what makes this work? Why is it this way? Why is this brand more successful than the other brand? Um, why are consumers going over here? What's the, 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 the sort of why behind that? The second piece, I believe, is thinking about things. And, you know, I like to call it in a restaurant ecosystem. So how does one thing affect another? So if I want to do something over here, what are the implications, the chain reaction, the unintended consequences of making this decision all the way down to um, A to Z, okay? And, you know, interesting, I was at a conference this, this weekend, and, and uh, somebody pointed out on the Amazon logo that there's this little arrow that goes from A to Z, um, and that, you know, and, and that's sort of like the little, you know, the, the little directional arrow in FedEx, if, if you know what I'm talking about in terms of between the uh, the uh, D and the uh, E. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Between the D and the is it between the D and E? Oh, Sorry. Uh, let me, I can look it up real quick. We have technology. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you, you get my idea. So that, you know, that Amazon is going to really serve the, their customer from everything from A to Z. And so the reality is, is that if you're able to think about how you want to make a change or the brand you're trying to create, and you don't have to have answers for all of those things between A and Z or point A and point B or C. However, you should have some thoughtfulness around, well, what if it doesn't work out this way? Mm -hmm. So creating that ecosystem and being able to at least have a plan around if it doesn't work out the way you thought or if there's something that happens, how am I going to address that? And then the last thing I would say, um, and again, this is a part of my own personal journey and maturation, would be to force myself to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that as a leader, um, you know, we need to lead and leading isn't about doing the things that you're comfortable doing. It's about doing the things that you're most uncomfortable doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think it really, uh, like one of the seven habits of highly effective people is, is just, you know, constantly learning, constantly pushing yourself. They call it sharpening the saw. But when you, when you are constantly going outside your comfort zone, you're just every day, if you make it that goal to go outside that comfort zone, you grow exponentially. That compounding effect of just, you become so much more valuable, valuable. You become a really a person of value and it's so great. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that again, it speaks to this, you know, uh, I mean, life, regardless of whether you're in the restaurant industry, you know, really is about opportunities to continuously learn and to evolve. And uh, I think the greatest leaders, um, 
in all you know walks of life are the folks that are incredibly self-aware and seek opportunities to uh, grow personally. Yeah, and I love how you, you brought up the your curiosity in uh, just asking why, and it really reminded me of Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup. And if you ask why, like I'm going to challenge your listeners at home, next time you ask why, ask why at least five times, uh, because you can really get to the bottom and to the root of a lot of problems if you just start pulling back the layers. Um, and you, when you can see, when you really get to the core of what the, the issue is by asking why, you can really expedite the process of improving systems and processes. Yeah, and I would encourage, you know, um, and for me, this is an ongoing um, work in progress. So, you know, we all have different personality types, and I'm a straight type A personality. And for us type A personality folks, um, we have to not only ask why, we also have to really hone our skills on listening because um, for those of us that are type A out there, you know, we're, we're too busy thinking about what we want to say versus being incredibly adept listeners and mm-hmm. making sure that we get the real, uh, quite frankly, richness out of, uh, out of what somebody else is saying. Everybody has something to contribute. It's really just the ability to be patient enough and to ask why or to encourage the conversation so that folks are comfortable enough to really bring out their inner self. And um, that, 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 that's way easier sort of articulated like I just did than it is to practice at times. However, the real, the real gems are in being able to listen and, uh, and to be able to really pull out some of the greatest ideas from our breadheads and, and, and folks that you're dealing with. Absolutely. Again, to quote Stephen R. Covey, the seven habits of highly affected people, firstly, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And if you just know, if you understand where people are coming from, you can communicate so much more effectively. That's awesome. So tell us about a time, Lewis, where you just failed, where you fell hard on your backside uh, with a failure. And then tell us what you learned from that failure and how you're better now because of it. Oh, so, well, you know, there's probably more failures than there are successes. Um, so <laughs> I, we probably could spend uh, a day talking about failures. Uh, I, I think what, what probably would most resonate with folks is um, for, you know, the wildflower. So we started with one restaurant in 1996, uh, completely uh, funded by, you know, my wife and myself. And we had a plan to grow, and um, we, uh, I really in particular, really struggled um, finding folks to invest in the Wildflower Bread Company because we had spent all of our money, so there was no more money to invest. And uh, it was an incredibly um, long arduous journey um, of getting money. Um, and ultimately, over the years, uh, and we, 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 we did receive investment money, um, and uh, those, um, you know, really were uh, – what do I want to say? Uh, that, that investment money, um, you know, helped us get to where we are today. Um, however, at times we weren't, again, going back to these values. We weren't aligned in terms of how we thought about the business and what the right – sort of path to growth was and um you know ultimately over time um i was able to actually my family 
to uh, buy out our investors, and um, we are we have been for a while now a private family-owned company, and um, you know so so you know there's a sort of failure to grow as quickly as I had thought, um, potentially not having the uh, the the right sort of partners to, to grow the brand the way I had envisioned, and then ultimately coming out on the other side as a family-owned uh, uh, restaurant company. And so from my perspective, really what I learned along the way there was that um, I need to really stay tried and true to the, the, the core set of values that I've established for myself and for the wildflower that the breadheads did um, in order to be successful. And, um, you know, really the, 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 the lesson, which is it's a challenging one these days, there's, there's not an easy answer to this, is that this is a business that needs to be, you know, well capitalized. And that, that's a real struggle for folks. Um, and so you need to be incredibly creative in terms of, uh, of how you start your restaurant and uh, ensuring that you have enough capital to make sure that you're able to be successful because, um, you know, uh, it takes a lot of other things as well, of course. But the reality is, is that um, if you don't have enough money to start the business, um, then you're going to have uh, challenges before you even sort of get out of the gate. Absolutely. That's great advice. I mean, we can really get trapped because we all have that real burning desire, that, that dream, that passion to get started. And when that, you know, that money is dangling right in front of us, it's so easy to take the bait. But like you said, you have to really be careful that you're partnering with the right people that have the same values and the same vision as you, because when they have all the money in the game, they make the decisions. And if you're not, if your vision's not coming to light, then you're going to be miserable. Yeah, and I think as well, I mean, look, I, I also want to be, you know, I, I think very clear in that, you know, if you're, you know, if you if you are out there and you're raising money, um, you know, the, the reality is, is that you have to make sure that your concept or your brand um, is actually, you know, it, it's viable. I like mm. to say, you know, look, I fought hard for the wildflower over 19 years because I knew that it was a, you know, it wasn't a sinking ship. It was just that we weren't, you know, moving in the direction that we needed to. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the reality is, and that's a hard, you know, that that's a hard personal look. That takes a lot of reflection um, for somebody to say, hey, you know, what I created is actually not working. It's not, you know, it's not that I don't have the right partners. It's actually that I don't have the right vehicle. I haven't created something that's compelling enough for customers that they want to come on a regular basis because everything in life is about a choice. And so each of us have to figure out, right, we've got to, as a restaurateur, we have to create brands or, or a restaurant or a place that people want to choose to come to, right? I mean, we can't force people to come to our restaurant. They have to make that choice, and you have to have a compelling enough 
value proposition in terms of you know the offering the uh ambiance the service the cleanliness the execution that makes people want to come on a regular basis yeah this is a great conversation we're going to take a break to thank our sponsors real quick and we'll be back with the speed round uh so stick around Today's sponsor is a business you can trust. If you have been in business for at least one year, have done over $100,000 in annual revenue, and have a 500 or better personal credit score, you meet the minimum qualifications to get a small business loan from On Deck. Anywhere from five dollars to $250,000 over a three to 24 month payback Period. If you're a fan of the show, you've heard our guest mentors say, a great path to success is through scaling, not to go huge out of the gates. On Deck is a great resource to allow you to scale and to grow over time and to stay fresh. To learn more, head over to the show notes page of this episode, find the On Deck logo, and get started. All right, let's get back to this interview. So we're back, uh, and we're going to drop some bombs of knowledge on you guys now. Uh, Lewis has been great, so I can't wait for this speed around. So the first question I have for you, Lewis, is kind of what we've already been talking about, so maybe we can just dive a little bit deeper into it, is your advice on getting that initial capital to get started. Um, I mean, do you have any new recommendations for us, or is it kind of going to be a spinoff of what we've already been discussing? Um, well, I mean, look, I mean, capital, it, it, look, it's always here. So here's the sort of priority order, right? It's always better if you have the money yourself. Um, mm-hmm. that, that simply is the case. Um, I think that if you are unwilling to put your own money in, then you probably don't really believe in your own concept enough and that in and of itself is a problem so i've always been a big believer that you got to put your money where your mouth is and um you know i think in this day and age um most um investors are going to uh, insist that you put your money where your mouth is because uh and i believe that that's uh their right as well um one of the things that i think is important to remember is that you know it typically um, it's not a it's not a personal thing. It's a business relationship, and I think oftentimes, particularly if um, you're starting a, a brand or a restaurant and you're actually taking money from family and friends, I believe that that line gets a little blurred sometimes. And uh, you know, while it's hard to separate, um, I do believe um, I know for a fact. Not I do believe I know for a fact that it's really business and you have to look at it that way. And if you're unable to separate those things, then it's probably um, not in your best interest to take money from family and friends because uh, if it doesn't work out um, for whatever reason, you're, you're going to somehow, I guess, believe that, well, you know, they're family and friends. I can, I can get to them when I get to them or maybe I don't have to pay them back. And that, that just simply isn't the case. So mm-hmm. I, I think you need to be clear about that in terms of, um, of investing um look i i think you have to find folks that that understand the restaurant business and i believe um that you need to be knowledgeable so um if you don't understand your p l or your forecast if you're presenting your idea to uh, a bunch of people and people keep saying hey you know there's this you know i got a question about this and that similar theme keeps coming up then you know you need to address that and you need to figure out either a different answer because the answer you've been giving isn't resonating with folks um or 
um, you need to adjust your plan because it seems to be a, a roadblock. And, and that's always hard. Again, um, I, I can appreciate the personal nature of creating a concept uh, from scratch and the, 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 the love and the passion that goes into that. On the other side, it really needs to, from an investment perspective, you need to be incredibly objective and you need to be willing to listen to the feedback. Um, you know, there's lots of programs out there in terms of SBA financing that's available um, to folks. I think that's a great way to grow if you're able to qualify. Um, and, you know, really in the end, um, I've always tell people what, what you, you know, the amount of money that you think you need, um, you, you at least need two times that. So uh, that, that, that's how I would end uh, what, what I think about investing in money. Awesome. Great advice. So you have the capital. You're getting started. Now you need people. I mean, what's your advice for finding good people? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? Um, well, you know, people is the the key to uh, a great, you know, a, a great brand. Um, and, you know, surely we're going to talk a little, you know, later, I think, about technology and where that's going. However, it's still the hospitality business. And um, so um, at the Wildflower, we talk about hiring A-plus breadheads. So we either need to see the potential for you to be A-plus or you come into us A-plus. You're a food service uh, veteran and you have the hospitality gene. Um, you, you like smiling. You like serving. You like saying thank you. You're, uh, you like making great food. So uh, we hire for, uh, you know, really those characteristics. And we believe that we can teach you our standards. Um, Sounds like you're, you hire for potential. You're looking for those little, little hints that show you that this person has the potential to get to where we need them to be. And I, and I love that way of exp explaining it because that, that's the first time it's been said it's potential. I like that. Yeah. And I think really the reality is, is that um, a maybe is a no is really, a, you know, mm. another mantra we use here. So um, you got to trust your gut. Um, and if there's questions about hiring somebody, it's been my experience. It's been my team. And we we employ over 700 people at, now at the at the Wildflower that um, a maybe is a no. And that, that that's hard um, to live by. However, I think. Um, you can ask anyone who's been in this business for a long time, and if they look back and they go, hey, I had some reservations about this hire, um, more times than not, that doesn't work out. So uh, a maybe is a no is a tough rule to live by. However, I think it's one that uh, makes a lot of sense and will pay dividends in the end. Exactly. It might be hard to say you know, maybe is a no, but it's going to be way harder to you – know, once you get those great people, you know, it's, it makes your life easier. And if you're letting those, like those rotten eggs infect the crowd, like that's a way more difficult situation to deal with than just saying, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. And plus, I mean, nobody, I mean, uh, nobody likes to let somebody go. Oh yeah. Even, even, even if they're not a, a positive force in your restaurant or in your brand, um, I, you know, there, there, nobody likes to, 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 to have that conversation with somebody to mm -hmm. say, hey, this isn't working out. And so, again, it's easier to, uh, you know, really the, the, the checkpoint should be that, hey, I don't believe they fit within our culture, within our brand, what we're trying to do. They don't have this A-plus potential. So there's something else out there for them. Again, I go back to that. Everybody's an irrepeatable miracle. They got to mm -hmm. find what 
passionate about. It just not, might not be your brand your, or our industry. It could be something else. And, you know, that, that that's great. They just need to find that. Yeah, I love that mentality. It sounds a lot like the advice from Jim Collins uh, in Good to Great when if you have somebody who's not right for your team, you're not doing them any favors by keeping them on your team because you're holding them back to what they are right for. Um, so that's great advice. And now you have the right people. You have those A-plus people on your team. You didn't settle for maybe. Um, how do you keep them on your team? Like, How do you keep that culture? How do you keep that solid foundation of good people with you? Well, I mean, really, that, that is that—that's the essence of leadership. And um, you know, at the wildflower, um, I believe that it's my responsibility to ensure that we are keeping an environment and a culture that wants to keep our high performers, our A plus breadheads, engaged and want to stay here. So um, that's different for different people. Um, and so, you know, really, I've always believed. That, you know, look, if a breadhead at the wildflower has another opportunity um, and they believe it's a better opportunity for them, either personally, for their family, um, then we're going to wish you the best of luck. Um, And it's shame on us for not making sure that we made you feel as valued and that you want to stay, that you see the same opportunity here. So, you know, I look at those as uh, opportunities, again, for us to fix our ecosystem around people. So if we had lots of folks leaving for other opportunities, then we need to explore that. We need to figure out where's the miss. Um, And, um, you know, look, sometimes um, there is no miss. It's just, hey, it's time to move on. Um, And that's where you go back to this you know, idea where, you know, we really want to round out the individual. So, you know, we have lots of folks uh, uh, that work for us through high school and then they get ready to go to college. So there is no there's no cultural miss there. It's just time for them to move on to the next phase of their life. Um, However, when we have a food service professional, somebody that's trying to make a career in the business and they're moving from our brand to somebody else's, that requires some real self-examination and to ask ourselves where 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 in our system did we we let that person down yeah i love how you turn the you know the you turn it around on yourself you don't look out and blame outside factors like you say well if this is happening it's on us and what can we do different and i think that's uh one of those characteristics of successful people is they don't blame other people they take ownership of their results so that's a really valuable lesson to learn there for sure thank you and i think look i i mean i do believe and i've spoken about this you know life is about choices so we all have choices you can choose to assume that you're the victim of all of these things or i can make the choice to understand that i have the ability to actually change the things that I don't like or the things that aren't working. I I do believe that life's about choices and making that choice to change, to be self-aware, to examine, and then to recalibrate is incredibly important. Absolutely. So this next question is, it's a new question, Lewis. It's something that I'm working in. It might've been on the template that you're looking at, but the industry, I mean, what are you currently challenging with in the industry? A current struggle you have now, or maybe one that you see coming down the barrel, something that's on the horizon that you're looking into to prepare for? 
Well, that's a that's a big question, Eric. We could probably spend a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited because I mean, you are you have your hands deep into a lot of the industry, uh, just associations, and you're you're all over the place. So you know what's going on. I'm really you know interested. Yeah. So I mean, look. Say. I mean, I think that. So I I, I guess you know, um, you know that that so. In no specific order. Um, first, I think is the you know the, the reputation of our industry. Um, you know we are really under attack, um, and um, I think at, 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 not. I think at, at all level, not at all. At most levels, unfairly attacked. So um, we are seen as uh, an industry where um, we take advantage of our workers, um, where we don't. Um, potentially compensate um, properly or fairly, um, and we're just in it for the money. And I've been in this business since I've been five. I know a, 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 a really a, a host of operators across the country, and I don't know one person that feels that way um, and, and treats their employees that way. And so I really think that we have a reputational issue that needs to be addressed um, in terms of this is a great industry. Um, it's an industry where you can start as a, uh, you know, entry level employee, um, and you can eventually run a company or own your own company or start your own company. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have many success stories like that at the wildflower and have over our years. Um, and so, you know, that, 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 you know, surely I'm passionate about the restaurant industry, um, and, uh, you know, I've grown up in it and I've been successful in it. Um, and that, um, is something that really, um, uh, bothers me, um, that, that we're, we're, we're sort of vilified sometimes, particularly when it comes to the, 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 the government, um, that, that, that's a real challenge. Um, of course, you know, there's challenges, um, with the, uh, with the food supply, um, there's transportation issues. Um, you know, um, I, I read an article that said that I think, uh, somewhere maybe in the late, uh, 2020s um, that we are going to have a quarter of a million driver, you know, truck driver shortage in this country. Mm -hmm. And we will not be able to move goods and services around the country. And that doesn't only affect food, of course, it affects everything. Um, and so there's transportation issues. There's obviously weather issues. I think everybody knows that California is in an incredible drought, particularly where, particularly where we grow a lot of our food. Um, that that concerns me, mm -hmm. uh, and you know I, I, I'm very concerned um, about the the general economy as a whole. Um, while the United States continues to uh, you know recover, uh, I'm not sure that that recovery is as strong as one would like, and um, it, it it concerns me about you know where does the the sort of future um, growth of uh, of the of our economy and and our job growth go. I mean, I mean, I'm curious because it seems like part of the issue from from where I stand is that we try to operate in such grand levels, some such massive levels of operations where the the it's just it's just so massive. Like take like Chipotle for example, a great company does great things for its people, but to, to operate on that scale, it, it re requires such a ridiculous amount of logistics. And when you complicate it like that, what if you just go the opposite direction and try to say small? 
And I mean, what's your thought on that? Like reversing the direction of growth and just staying local? Well, you know, I mean, clearly, look, we're a local company um, and, uh, you know, local to the state of Arizona. Um, and um, I, I think it's, again, about a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think that the restaurant industry is synonymous with opportunity and opportunity really only comes when you grow. Um, in other words, um, there can only be one general manager of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're not growing, um, it doesn't mean at a breakneck speed, but if you don't have some growth, then you don't have opportunity for advancement for your folks. And really that is the, the American dream. I mean, that is the idea where, hey, if I put in, um, you know, if I'm diligent, if I'm hardworking, if I learn, if I'm curious, um, if I show I have leadership skills, then I can advance and I can advance both from a position and responsibility and from a monetary perspective. So I think growth is essential in terms of our industry. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not I mean, I'm not sort of on one side or the other that it needs to stay local or it needs to stay big. I think it's about a choice that leaders make um, um, or the management team of each of these companies. And I think both work very well. Awesome. Great stuff. Let's move on to the next question. And that is on a recommended book. Like, What's one book, whether it be an industry book or just a personal growth book or a business book in general that you think is a must read for anybody listening? Well, I mean, you mentioned it earlier in the the podcast. I think Good to Great by Jim Collins is a, an incredible book. It's really a, a really a, a great blueprint for excellence. So I, I think that's a must read. On a personal level, um, I also mentioned the book. I, I really like Aspire um, uh, by Kevin Hall, and it talks about um, really uh, characteristics, personal characteristics, and and finding um, mentors um, that have you know exhibited those characteristics uh, like integrity in your life, and then really relating to them um, how much they've impacted your life. And so I think that um, you know that that whole sort of going back and being grateful and showing gratitude to folks that have helped you um, be successful. Um, that, that, that's, you know, that's a great personal journey. And, uh, you know, I would highly recommend that folks, uh, do that. And, uh, and, and if they, uh, you know, you don't have to read the book, you can figure out exactly what you think your value system is and, and figure out who's helped influence and shape those values for you. And that was Aspire, the first time mentioned on the show, so thank you for that. I'll have both uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great and Aspire in the show notes. This is episode 189. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 189 for those links. And uh, I guess, uh, unless there's any other books you want to share with us. Um, No, I think that, you know, I mean, uh, I I think really, you know, the learning in the restaurant industry um, and leadership, I I, I highly recommend that folks get out, um, you know, to to really visit their competitors and to Mm. visit um, brands that you admire and to be able to observe those. And I also think that there's an incredible wealth of uh, knowledge and opportunity and networking by attending um, industry conferences. And Mm -hmm. I understand that all of those things take money and time. However, those are where some of my uh, 
greatest uh, sort of thoughts and clarity around uh, anything around ecosystem for people, food, ambiance have have come from because you're removed from your day to day routine and, and it gives your, you a chance to sort of think and, and quite frankly, network with other industry professionals. And, you know, there's a wealth of knowledge in this business. And uh, most, if not all folks that I've run across are very willing to uh, share that their learnings and to uh, to help people be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to get out of that bubble and expose yourself to what's going on in the industry. It's really easy to get sucked in. So great advice. And I mean, the next topic is on marketing, and it's, it's such a huge just area, a huge topic. Um, try to like bring us down to like one niche in marketing, one piece of advice that you that has caught your attention, something that you think the industry. Uh, maybe a direction the industry is going with marketing. What, what do you have for us? Well, I, hey, look, this is this is going to be com- uh, incredibly, I think, uh, 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 let's say, what do I want to say here? So my, my, my marketing um, principles are very simple, which is that we're going to deliver such a compelling experience that you have to tell a friend. And that's how we built our business. Mm-hmm. So the wildflower is really built on executing, right? I talked about in the beginning, it's all about the execution. So if in my mind, there's no better marketing, you can, there's lots of programs out there. Um, I, I also like to say that I reserve the right to change my mind. However, for the 19 years, we're, we're proud to say that we don't, we've never really discounted the brand and we don't have a loyalty program. And yet we've built our same store sales year in and year out um, because of that mantra, that ability to deliver for the consumer and make them our advertising. Mm -hmm. So um, that, you know, while it's a, in my mind, it's the very basics of the restaurant business, sort of restaurant 101, it really is the incredible foundation that businesses can be built on because there's nothing better than having your customers say, have you been to the wildflower? Have you been to blah, 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 blah? And, and say, you got to go. It's a great food experience. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that loyalty, loyalty programs don't work because there's a lot of studies out there that prove they do work. But there's a lot of ways to build loyalty and just being awesome and taking care of your people and having that great service and that great customer focus is probably hands down the best way to build loyalty so i mean if that's if that's your approach then i don't see you having to complicate the the process anymore yeah and i think that again you know um as a restaurateur um you have incredible amount of you know facts data statistics from being an operation and so for us what i just talked about has worked and that that's that's our story and each person has to figure out what sort of their story is and their ability to market their brand um and again i want to reiterate that as a leader i feel that it's very important to be clear that you know we everyone reserves the right to change the direction of the ship um if what you think what was working isn't working any longer. Um, mm-hmm. I would just suggest that you don't change the ship very often. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. So let's talk a little bit about technology. I mean, I like to think of technology as a way to close the gaps, as a way to accelerate the process, the processes, systems, and procedures so you can increase those margins. So what are some of the technologies 
that you have leveraged, um, mm. that you stand behind, that you think we should all consider to make our operations be more productive and efficient? Well, I, I think uh, clearly uh, one of the things that I think is, um, you know, as you get some scale, is the automation of the uh, application, the onboarding process, all of that. Um, we use a company called People Matter, um, and that's been, you know, really an incredible uh, time saver for us. Um, and it really makes. Um, the ability to apply for a job open to much more folks. So if you think about it, if you're still on pen and paper, um, you know, I've got to come in, I've got to get the application. I've either got to sit there and fill it out or I've got to take it home. Then I've got to fill it out. I've got to bring it back. If you're using some sort of online system, um, I can fill out that application anytime I want. Uh, I can do it on my mobile. I can do it on my phone. And um, now I'm in the system. And um, so for us, that's been a bit a really big uh, win in terms of being able to broaden our pool of applicants and to, quite frankly, be um, compliant with all of the rules and the regulations um, in, in hiring. And, and those, of course, are different state by state. Uh, so it so, sounds like it's just a, a way to systematize the hiring process. Is that the, like, uh, the core yeah, of what yeah. you do? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Plus, it also allows you, you know, most of these systems, an ability to to, to quickly communicate with uh, your your employees and to be able to push down changes and to you know have um, incredibly uh, you know detailed and accurate record keeping, which again um, is important in our industry because there's lots of laws that we need to follow mm-hmm. and uh, you know. We don't want our managers, um, you know, being uh, paperwork uh, managers. We want them being hospitality managers. We want them in the dining rooms. We want them talking to customers. We want them coaching and cheerleading um, our our employees. So the more that you can make that simple and uh, and quick, the the more time that they can spend, uh, you know, being leaders in their in their restaurants. So it helps with the applying onboarding process, the record keeping. What about training? Like, wh- where in the onboarding process does it stop? Is does it help with the training programs and like? Um, in, in this particular application, there is training modules, um, and some of them have it, some of them don't. I mean, I think that um, we're still. You know, we're still uh, uh, really on a on a on a paper training system, mm-hmm. and that that's something that um, we're uh, you know we know we need to evolve um, to a technology based platform for training. Um, it's uh, like anything; it's about having enough resources and having enough money to uh, accomplish those things. So um, you, you can't do everything. I can tell you that as a leader. So it's important that you pick priorities that are going to move the business forward um that is definitely an initiative an initiative for us um in 2016 to uh move our training programs to the next level as we like to call it awesome i love it first time mentioned on the show people matter i'm gonna have to check that out a little bit more thank you for sharing that with us so lewis if there was like if you could like go back in time to when you were just opening the wildflower what would one piece of business advice be if you could just give yourself one piece of advice? Well, um, when entrepreneurs or, you know, folks ask me um, that question, um, it's really simple for me. Um, 
while again i understand that um um typically monetary resources are tight um i would suggest that um whatever you know whatever business you're starting is that you really really need um great uh, legal advice, and I don't mean legal advice from a uh, well, from a sort of business perspective. What I mean is about the structure of the company that you want to start. So there's lots of different formats, um, lots of different structures, and it's critically important that you're able to understand what your vision is for your company or your brand, and then to get a corporate structure that's set up that's going to be advantageous and support that instead of being a hindrance to that. And um, I didn't understand that initially, and surely I've learned that, and obviously uh, um, over over the years. And so that that to me is critical when you're starting a, a, up a brand or a restaurant company. All right, beautiful. Um, those are all the questions. If there was one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview, what would it be? So you know, I thought about that a lot, and I guess um, from my perspective, um, you know, the question that that I would like to share, the answer I'd like to share and the question is sort of what was my biggest people lesson along the way? Mm. Um, and for me, um, you know, there's been a few, um, you know, less than a handful of folks that have worked uh, with me over the years where um, I thought that I was mentoring them properly. However, um, I, I wasn't. I wasn't the, the I, I wasn't I wasn't the leader. I wasn't pushing them in the right direction. Um, I was really pushing them further away from the brand. Um, and I think that um, we call it now coaching the wildflower way, which is it's it's much more impactful to celebrate the wins than it is to point out somebody's deficiencies. Um, when it comes to standard performance, meaning we need you to make a sandwich or we need you to do it this way, well, we have to have you do it that way, and we're going to point that out. And we're going to point that out and correct that because we want to come back and celebrate that person making the sandwich or the salad or whatever it is to standard and that that's an incredible opportunity to now celebrate a what we call a course correction. However, um, if you want to get the most out of your folks, um, you need to figure out how to celebrate uh, what they're great at. And when you do that, some of the things that they may need to improve upon will sort of come along as they feel more confident in their ability to uh, perform. Awesome stuff. You've been incredible. Uh, it's time to wrap up the episode. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional, someone you admire in this industry that you think would just make a great guest mentor like you have for us today? Well, um, I think uh, Richard Melman from the uh, Lettuce Entertain You group um, in Chicago. Um, the, the guy's iconic in our restaurant industry. He's uh He's created, uh, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 brands over the years. Um, his organization has been um, um, acknowledged and awarded um, uh, really every industry accolade we have. And uh, I'm just a huge admirer of uh, not only the uh, 
the, the company, but the, the people within the company. So uh, shout out to Richard Melman and uh, thank him for all he's done for our industry and, uh, and, and uh, um, just an incredible, uh, incredible leader, incredible visionary. Yeah, Richard Melman is definitely on my hit list. Uh, I will send this over to the folks over at Let Us Entertain You. would be honored to get him on the show. And I'll let the folks at home know how we can connect with you, whether email, social media, if they want to continue the conversation, maybe they want to come work for you over at Wildflower. Uh, like, What's the best way to connect? Um, well, um, they can connect by uh, going to wildflowerbread.com, and there's a contact us. They can just sort of type in and let them know that they want to reach out to me. Um, on Twitter, they can catch me at, at wildflowerceo, um, and uh, they can uh, call me uh, on my cell phone, 602-723-3423, if anybody. I'm a great texter, and you can text me, and I'll get back to you. Guys, this is only the second time somebody has given their cell phone out. I mean, you have to take advantage of opportunities like this to have just it's an incredible resource at your fingertips, an incredible mentor at your fingertips. So thank you so much for being so generous with your contact information. Um, and thank you for all this incredible advice, Louis. Uh, you've been so helpful, so knowledgeable. Uh, there's no questioning you are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate the opportunity. And... Uh... Again, uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, hear my story. Oh, it was our pleasure. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Lewis, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. You had some great advice. A huge influence in the fast casual industry here with us today. such an honor to have him. Um, So if you guys enjoyed today's episode, if you took some value away from today's episode, uh, make sure you support the show by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. That really does help me out with getting recognized and uh, getting that ranking so more people find the show. And uh, just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. It's Eric with a C. If you have any recommendations for future guests, Or maybe you just want to connect. I would love to hear from you. I'll give you my phone number. We'll chat. Maybe you just want to get inspired. Maybe you have some questions about past guests. And I'm here for you guys. Reach out to me. Let's connect. And uh, if you want to support the show, other ways to support the show is just by using my links. If there's a book you want to read, uh, if you're interested in checking out the the power of audiobooks, make sure you use my links because I get kickbacks at no extra expense to you. And that's just one way we keep this show free. And hopefully we can continue to keep it free because that's my goal is to just continue to add resources for you and tools for you. But uh, it all starts with you just using my links and spreading the word, and uh, let's create a movement around Restaurant Unstoppable, um, empowering indie restaurant professionals, surrounding them with the mentors they need to be successful in this industry. That's what we're all about, and it's been such a blast. So let's keep it going. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much, so, so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to have you. And until next time, peace out.